So obviously, thank you everyone for, for joining and, and welcome to the next installment of the, the live series roundtable events, and which is obviously the series that connects some of the world's top engineering leaders to engage in a discussion on hot topics. Um, so my name is Jamie. Uh, hopefully, you know by now that I specialize in recruiting across the JavaScript and TypeScript market across the Nordic region. Um, as a business, Amicus also cover Golang, Python and Rust positions throughout the US and Europe. Um, so today, I'm delighted to be joined by four engineering leaders from the Nordic region um, and the event that we're going to be uh, covering today is how to successfully interview and hire an experienced engineer. Um, so as I mentioned, we've got four people with us today. So I'm going to go around and give everyone a brief introduction. Um, so first of all, we've got Peter, uh, Peter Bernhardsen. He's the engineering manager for Avanza Bank currently, uh, which is one of Sweden's largest banks with over a million customers. So how are you, Peter? Are you okay? Yeah, I am good. Good man. Glad to hear. Um, Secondly, we've got Martin Hobart, um, who is the Senior Engineering Manager at Lego Group, who I'm sure you've all heard of before. Um, you okay, Martin? Definitely. Glad to be here. Thank you very much for joining. Um, we also have Raphael Joachim, I think I said that right, um, who's Head of Frontend for Helicon Technologies, uh, who are a software business that builds solutions for businesses in the energy sector. You okay, Raphael? Yep. Happy to be here and meet you all. You too, you too. Um, and last but definitely not least, we have Nick Borghaas, um, who's the Head of Development at Hello Retail um, and formerly the CTO at TAME as well. Are you okay, Nick? Yeah, good. Happy to meet everyone, even though it's uh, dark outside. <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining. I really appreciate it. So, um, Nick, while we're with you, I'll, I'll get you to do the first introduction, if that's okay. So, if you could just give us like a, a brief kind of run through in terms of your career, all the way up to the point where you are now and, and what your current role looks like. Yeah, sure. Uh, so very briefly, then, uh, before joining uh, Hello Retail, I was in a startup company for three and a half years, three years as a CTO, where we did uh, event tech te technology. Uh, this has been through quite a few um, crunches because COVID happened. So we kind of had to pivot the entire thing from event planning to virtual events. Uh, doing that, I was leading up the engineering and, and product department, which we scaled from being around, I don't know, five people to, in the end, the company was uh, 50. Um, and then <clears throat> after being there for three years, I joined uh, Hello Retail, where we focus on e-commerce uh, solutions for, for web shops. Um, and here I oversee our data science product and engineering uh, efforts, basically. Um, so yeah, I think that's very brief. Amazing. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, Raphael, we can come to you next. Um, so as mentioned before, you're, you're head of front end at, at Helicon at the moment. Would you mind again, just giving us a brief run through of your career today and, and what you do at the moment? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been uh, I've been mainly focused on front end since I started uh, develop, uh, developing. Uh, uh, I think that's like 13 years ago or something. And um, for the past uh, maybe seven years, I've been in a leadership position. So before I moved to uh, Stockholm, I was head of the uh, front end uh, for a financial communication agency. And then I joined H&M um, as a senior uh, consultant. Um, and then Instabox uh, was the tech lead for uh, the, one of the internal teams building the operational uh, system and apps. And now at Telecom, head of front end again. And mainly uh, I'm working with uh, uh, mentoring, but also hands uh, hands on coding and kind of setting the uh, uh, the direction of the front end within the company. 
Amazing. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, Martin, um, who's actually joining us from a, a tech conference today in, in our house. So thanks a lot for, for making the effort to join. Um, would you mind doing the same as, as the other guys and, and just giving us a run through of yourself so far? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I started out uh, straight out of school with uh, my own company, uh, developing websites for smaller clients, etc. And uh, throughout the years, I've been helping different startups get on onto their boots. And then... Uh, Joined different uh, tech businesses as a consultant, done a lot of e-commerce. Uh, a few years ago, I joined Selling Group, uh, the biggest retailer in Denmark, where I've been uh, managing the front-end department, and now recently joining Lego Group as well uh, as a senior engineering manager. Uh, besides that, I do a lot of community work around the development scene in Denmark, so most people probably see me out there at the different conferences like tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Great to hear. Um, and Peter, um, obviously I'm Vandermank at the moment, but I've got a career as well for, for a while before that. Would you mind just, just talking us through that? Yeah, so I've been at Avanza for maybe four years now. Uh, actually started as an agile coach uh, and transitioned over to an engineering manager position during this summer. Uh, so pretty new in the role, but, uh, and, and my background is as an agile coach as well. So I've been actually doing like agile coaching for maybe eight years, uh, ahead of this, both at like small startups, um, and, uh, even larger banks, I would say than Avanza. Avanza is actually pretty small in Sweden compared to like the four big ones that we have. Um, so yeah, that's pretty short summary, I guess. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, so we'll just kick straight into the topic then. Um, it's one that I wanted to discuss because it's something that, I mean, I've been doing recruitment for five years and it's always a, a kind of hot topic. Um, we're hosting another event soon, which is based around hiring junior engineers, which got me kind of thinking, you know, um, there's so many senior engineers and experienced engineers out there and, you know, everyone's got different preferences in terms of how they should be interviewed and, and from a company perspective, how they should interview the person as well. Um, so I think what I was kind of keen to understand from from everyone um, is in terms of your personal experiences so far. So everyone in this room has been a senior engineer previously. Um, and also just for the sake of clarity, I'm classing a senior engineer as someone who has three, four years of experience as a minimum. Um, so somebody who, who knows what they're doing a little bit more. Um, what have your experiences been in the past and, and what would you say is your kind of favorite interview process that you've been through um, in terms of how it went, what the stages were and and what the kind of company got from you during during that process? Anyone feel this is a bit of a free for all now, so anyone can, can jump in if they've, uh, if they've got something to mention. OK, I can start. So I think uh, I think it's been uh, pretty hard finding uh, like good engineers in general. Uh, like I've been doing a lot of interviews and it's very um, uh, like it's rare that we bump into someone that says like okay this is a like a very good find and we really want to do everything to to have that it's it's very uh, uncommon to come across uh, kind of these profiles but for me I think that the, the best process I, I, I kind of experiment with for hiring engineers is uh, and I'm talking from a technical point of view here uh, because there's also the, like the behavioral and the uh, uh, culture fit and all that stuff. But from a technical point of view, I think uh, the best results I got from uh, having an assignment that's not too large and then you have a follow-up discussion that you go through that assignment and you use it as a base for, for the discussion. So you can then discuss the trade-offs. Why did you go with this way instead of that way? Or what would have done uh, to improve it? So it gives you a lot of material that you can 
use in in the in the follow up discussion, and also um, it gives you like really good insight into how that person really does stuff, uh, which is pretty uh, valuable. Yeah. In that phase. Would what, what would you say is like the size of that assignment that you give to people? Like how many hours? Because I've heard some complaints from different engineers. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's... Like I don't want to put in too much time into something. I don't know if it's going to pan out or. Yeah. So it, it is tricky. So you got to be. I mean, you got to find the sweet spot, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because if it's a, it's a, if it's a bit large, then uh, you, you might push some people off. But if it's uh, too small, then you might not get the benefit you want out of it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just a waste of time. Uh, but I think something that takes a couple of days, I would say, would uh, because not full time, uh, but like if you work on it a couple of hours or a couple of days, then th- that should be fine. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, because longer than that, people usually are going through multiple processes and they don't want to kind of like they don't have the capacity all the time to do multiple large uh, projects. Uh, but then it, it's got to be the I mean, again, the right the right size, so we actually get the benefits out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so essentially, trying to kind of, um, I guess, not judge people, but kind of assess people more on their like approach to, to problem solving and how they actually go through things, which are, I guess is what you get from the the follow up conversation that you have with them to see why they chose to, you know, to go down a certain avenue or to use a certain technology or, or whatever it may be. No, yeah. I'm, exactly. I'm curious, like, how much do you guys put into actually solving the assignment rather than, like, the discussion that follows? Yeah, so, I'm like, just what's, gonna the say most, the... what's the most important part, do you think? Yeah, the assignment doesn't matter at I... all. I mean, the goal is not to do what the assignment is asking you to do. Like, the goal is to see how you thought about solving those problems and how you tried approaching them and solving them. So, the, the discussion that comes out, that comes after it, it's the most important part, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's very important to create this foundation for the whole topic and then taking the conversation there uh, from from the assessment, making t- maybe taking a few key points from it to start off the conversation, but then you can completely divert off it uh, into different topics uh, that are yeah, more exactly. relevant, to the, relevant to, the, to the engineering role that you're looking for. Mm. Definitely. And also I would say, it acts like as a sort of a filter phase because if something like is really obvious, then you don't want to, and you feel that you don't want to continue with the with the process and kind of invest the the, the rest of the time with that kind of then you can do that. Uh, and sometimes it's really obvious that okay, that the discussion isn't really gonna give us much inf- like much more value than uh, than we have now. Yeah. And what, uh, just to sort of ask so many questions, just curious, but so like when, when would you say this is, when do you do this assignment? Is it like the first step or the second step or like the third step or when, when would you say that it's appropriate to have this? I've I actually think... done it at, at multiple different steps, depending on the mm-hmm. candidate as well. Uh, yeah. At Lego, we usually do it before the third interview. Uh, ah, okay. At Allen Group, I would do it at the second interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it very much differs. Do yeah. you think it differs? Sorry, do, do you think I think it differs as well on the like the seniority of the of the of the role? I mean, I mean, I, I see the need for juniors, right? Uh, it's, it's very hard to assess because they have no usually no prior experience, right? They don't have any 
I mean, sure, you can talk about uh, the projects they've made, but they will usually be uh, like student or hobby projects, so so not real life things. So I just want to hear you guys' input on, like, do you do you adjust the assignment based on like the level we we're hiring at? Because I would definitely throw an assignment at somebody that's junior coming in, right? Because we all, we've all experienced that the people call themselves uh, developers and then they they haven't actually done a lot of development work or at least not what, what you expect for the role um yeah definitely it, it has to be relevant for the for the role uh, and for senior positions you might not be giving the assessment based on the code that they actually output from it it's more about mm. their communication skills and their the way that they can explain a topic to you based on this project so it's not something that they have rehearsed beforehand uh, to know especially amount uh, of information about one topic but it's actually based on the on the assignment that they got hmm. because in my, my experience thinking about uh, because I guess the interview process is a lot about you know not hiring the right person right or mishire at least trying to avoid that uh, in my my head um, I mean, I think we do some pretty advanced stuff here at Hello Retail, but a lot of the stuff is also not that advanced. So it's it's more about actually being able to to communicate about the problems I see as a problem and 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 people being able to understand why things are important or what is important, right? We we have a lot of customers with. Um, we run on their website, right? So if we're down or if there's a bug in our system, then it, it affects basically how much money they earn that day. So they obviously could get very, very stressed about that. Uh, so when a task comes in, it's important that our engineers understands, okay, how important is this? Or is this more important than what, I, what I've been doing? Um, so so I, I tend to try and assess that, that as much as possible. It's mostly been that and not so much the technical skill because uh in the end you can teach that or we do it in some weird way compared to some other company or whatever right uh, we we all have our or weird things uh, or or it's dangerous to go alone in that area of the code base um items um so it's more the the communication and how, how people i see as a, as a really key especially in seniors conveying things um I personally have a computer science background, so I don't feel I'm too lost, but I I still need to understand it to to communicate it further into the organization or or if we have to align, right? Uh, just internally in the team. Yeah. I think that's the difficult thing, isn't it, with a with a senior engineer or someone that you bring in and who's experienced, because you've got to strike the balance between, you know, you're ultimately going to be paying them a senior salary and they're coming into that kind of part of the team where they're expected to maybe not hit the ground running straight away, but that they, they're not going to need too much handholding because if you could afford to do that, you just keep hiring juniors and training them up, but also making sure that you don't bring in the wrong type of person or someone who can write great code, but is going to be bad for the culture of, of the team or, or cause, you know, real upset within the, the team structure that you've got already um just on the point about um technical challenges because I, I knew that this is kind of where the conversation was going to go because they're such a hot topic and they're a bit of a love-hate thing with a lot of people what would you say to the people that get to four or five years in their career maybe in their third job are obviously very talented and they say you know you wouldn't ask a builder to, to build something for you to, to prove they're right for the project but what's your kind of approach to to that response that people come up with I mean, for me, there is no way to know, uh, especially in our field. I mean, 
some people can like have really good communication skills. Maybe they can uh, present themselves. Maybe they know how to speak, but they don't really know how to solve the problem. So for me, having a test like that kind of makes it a little bit easier to see if they can actually solve the problems or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about abstract problem solving uh, like problems but something practical, something related to our day-to-day job and related to the type of projects that we're working on. So you can also see um, how relevant they are or if they're lacking something that you would need to teach them, then you know that when you hire, you know that, okay, so this Hmm. is a really good candidate, but he's missing these two points and we would need to kind of uh, do something about it, have a program, mean like i don't know give him some time to uh, get used to them i don't know whatever but you you know kind of your next steps mm-hmm. uh especially in our field there are so many different ways to do the same thing there's so many different technologies uh uh so many different type of projects so people can be working for five six years but only on a specific type of project uh, and mm. maybe that didn't give them the chance to actually learn a lot of stuff. Maybe they were doing the same thing for those seven years. Yeah. So just having a lot of years in, on your resume doesn't really mean that you know or you have the relevant skills to this specific job. Mm. Uh, and this is where kind of the, the test and the discussion come into play. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, no, I think for me, it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm probably, if it's a scale of, of the camps, then I'm probably more in the uh, test or not that great camp rather than it, it's great. But I also feel like it's an optional thing. Because it really depends on the candidate, right? Because I also feel like front end and back end, it's not really the same thing. Uh, back end, con- like, is, is uh, you, you can still con- discuss concepts in both, but it's like the problem solving is just different. Um, so what I at least try is like we try and create like this work environment kind of like thing, you know, where you actually discuss through, through a solution. But there is still think, again, for instance, some juniors or if like people are going from one front end framework to the other or any, and you're not really convinced based on the conversation that, you know, th- this person can do this stuff, then I would definitely consider something like a test. Like, let's say, you know, I don't know, but uh, this company, we use Vue.js, which I know is not the most popular framework in the in the universe uh, right now. It's uh, it's it's the React, right? So we, we get a lot of React developers. And a concern for me would be, I know there, you know, there's overlap, there always is, but it, it's still different. Uh, so a concern would be that if somebody just comes in and says, you know, that's not going to be a problem, I'm, I'm probably going to challenge that a bit. And and if I'm not convinced in that challenge, I would probably consider something like a test. And it could be small. Um, but yeah, that's at least just my take. Yeah. But I would love to hear everybody else's. Yeah, that's also where you want to assess their will to learn and their ability to communicate and their ability to absorb knowledge. So you might throw them into a field that they're not so known. Uh, hmm. in one of these tests or in the conversation and, yeah, I would, and see I would, how it I would say we have the same not maybe the same issue but kind of same we, we do Angular uh, and Angular is, <laughs> I mean it's <laughs> everyone wants same to do issue, that. different yeah, exactly. why do you do that yourself <laughs> yeah exactly uh, it's good for our our company I guess but uh, it's not not everyone wants to work with it but uh, do you, like do you do you all agree that um, like do you agree that 
uh, doing an assignment at home or like an assignment that you get sent home is better than doing something live in front of like a crowd in a sense or like if you have an interview so we do actually do like a live coding kind of thing mm. uh with our candidates in in one step yeah. uh, we, we got yeah, yeah exactly yeah. we got we got really mixed results like from people when talking to them yes i also feel like it's mixed experience being interviewed like that and i've had really awful experiences being interviewed yeah. like that so it it all depends as well about the relevancy of the task being presented so mm -hmm. i've interviewed for a front-end position where i was asked to create a link list uh, from scratch <laughs> uh, the whole data type and i i don't see the relevance for that for me as a front-ender to be able to create a pub-up another you can... another camp i've also been in another interview for a senior front-end position where I talked about all these frameworks that I've built and all the open source contribution I've done. And then I was asked to do a whiteboard exercise where I was to center a div. And I, I left with a really weird feeling from that interview. <laughs> feeling like I don't, I don't really think you listened to me from the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I also I have mixed feelings. I think it puts a lot of uh, pressure on also the interviewer, right? Because it's also about creating the context. Because if you just throw out a... I mean, I, I would be also, I would even be weirded out if it like say, hey, build a build a link list because, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, that kind of problem doesn't occur in our code base, but usually there is some kind of, you know, we use Java, so that's built in. I don't know what you guys are using, but uh, I'm pretty sure you can find one that already exists and then you can Google how it works. It's not like something you, you encounter. So I prefer to, as much as possible, to, to create real life problems. Uh, and that's where the problem occurs, right? Because you can't really give them the entire architecture or the entire, like that's too much information, right? So you kind of have to see if you can find a piece or talk into problems. So talk into problems, they've solved themselves and then dive into that. Like, hey, how did you... If they are senior uh, engineers, they've, they've had experience with problems with other companies. How did you build X, Y, Z? But it does require prep, right, from, from our team, right? We're, we're in the e-commerce space. So if somebody would interview us and they would be, it's not tech, but I don't know, something else where they do website builders, we would have to invest time in actually understanding where that person's coming from to ask interesting questions and, and take this discussion. Uh, because then you can kind of preempt the assignment, if you ask me, and, and try and dive into the the tough topics uh, and why why did you do x y and z because as Raphael said there's a million ways to do everything um yeah. so yeah and, and for me kind of my experience was with um, live coding uh, uh interviews is that the candidates were often very stressed out yeah. and mm. they kind of blacked out even on the simplest stuff and then it's counterintuitive for me because I don't know you if you didn't answer it or you didn't do it because you don't know or because you're stressed. Mm -hmm. uh, then I don't get that that much out of it. But I kind of compensate that with like if, if we're not doing that, but we're doing a project, is then ask of different ways to do stuff on the project, and then you can see in real time kind of how they think about something or. Maybe solve it in a different way. Yep. Uh, I think for me, yeah, yeah, I think for me, it very much matters that uh, if you're gonna do this kind of live, uh, live coding kind of thing, it shouldn't be you writing some stuff on a whiteboard or on a computer or anything. It should be a topic that you discuss and talk about. Uh, I had another 
<laughs> I just had a flashback, uh, PTSD from interview I did many, many years ago at the start of my journey, where I was in, invited into this little startup. They were doing some Node.js stuff, and they asked me to implement uh, a test framework from scratch while they were both standing right behind me. Ooh. That was the most <laughs> terrorizing thing I've ever tried. Uh, I'm almost getting like shakes now. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing. That's what people always say to me about live coding challenges. It's realistically, if you've got that job, when is that ever going to happen again? Where somebody just stands and watches you code? It doesn't replicate a real life situation. Uh, I, I met very few people that could code, even in. Sorry, no, even if they had, when they, you get the job, like even if you, I mean, if I walked up to an issue or even I started coding, people make so many typos when you stand next to them. It's crazy. <laughs> exactly. so even somebody who's been there, like super skillful, super great, and then you stand next to them and then you just keep be like, how can you not hit the keys? Like, how can you hit the keys that bad? Because people just get stressed by somebody glaring at their screen. Uh, okay. So, so I think that problem is very real. Um, so, I, I, I would prefer discussing uh, like problems or, or doing the whiteboard rather than live coding. Or, I know people who do like pair programming stuff, but but I don't personally have experience with that because then it becomes maybe a bit yeah, more wait, like it's taking wait. versus like taking kind of the NXT out of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, we we did that at our at oh sorry. I go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we did at our at one assignment I had where the. Like the whole process was basically uh, touch and feel on the candidate, like touch your feet in the first step. And then the second mm -hmm. step was, or I think maybe the first step, I'm not sure. Uh, we actually brought in the candidate to the office and he had to meet the team and or she uh, met the team, had like, like joined the stand-up. Uh, and after the stand-up, mm -hmm. they actually sat down and did like more programming uh, for like mm -hmm. two or three hours with the team on a like real production issue or like fix the bug or something just to yeah. get a sense of feel for for how it and, and that was actually really good i mean it takes um how do you say it um it requires a lot of time from the candidates i'm not sure like it's it's a, a tough ask to ask someone like can you mm. come in for half a day or like take off time off from your regular job and come work at us for free uh in a sense mm. uh but the, the the like the evaluation was really 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 good you really got a sense for like how the candidate works mm. how it thinks how it acts how it communicates and so I, I would say that that's probably the best from the company perspective way to <laughs> assess candidates but i'm not sure if it's actually the best for the candidate itself yeah i, I, I think other as candidate and it was actually really pleasant as well sitting half a day with the company i was interviewing for because i got to see the culture that yep. would be that I would be working with in the future, that I wouldn't have seen through an interview with a, a hiring mm -hmm. manager and one or two developers. Yep. Yeah, everyone's always in best behavior in interviews, aren't they? So spending some actual <laughs> real time with people, it gives you a, a real insight into what things are like. Yep. Yeah, well, I had an experience and... like this as well, and I, I think it was pleasant. Pleasant. Uh, like we even had the lunch together and and all that. Mm -hmm. But as I said, like it's time consuming. So. Yep it's time consuming for for the candidate but also for the team and for for you as well because you yep. gotta like take out a couple of hours for multiple people to kind of go through that uh but i think what i didn't like about that process is there was so many steps so it's not mm. it's not just that we went to the office um, and that day was really pleasant as i said but there were so many calls like with the ceo with the cto uh, mm. And then meeting the team, and then uh, I don't know. In the beginning, there was like a couple of calls from the HR. So I think it it took so long that I, I at what at one point I was like, 
if they ask me for another call, I'm not gonna do it, and that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, I, but, I, but think I think the problem is real. You like, gotta balance it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I personally think that the problem is real that people want like continuous meetings because I feel like it's a lot of effort from the candidates. So this should probably be one of the final steps, if not the final step, right? Yeah. It's like okay, that, that, that was the final step. So. Exactly, because you should have you should have assessed. You know, like culture at culture fit stuff, and like, okay, you know, is, is this person interested in the company? And, and, and then you do this, I think. And, and then if it goes well, you know, you are hired in my mind because otherwise, if it becomes in general, personally, and I know that's a topic we have to talk about today, then I feel like we do maybe a phone screening and then two interviews. And, and the third one, if we're really, really in doubt, but otherwise, we, we try to keep it at that to not waste. Uh, like also to put pressure on ourselves that we actually have to assess that instead of it being like an ongoing process forever of you know then then a hire suddenly takes four months to do just because you have to keep booking meetings uh, talking with all kinds of people uh, yeah. and yes it could be if if it's a, like if if there's a lot of if a lot of people are interested in the in the culture for culture and it can be a lot of people in that room and that can also be scary for the candidate so it's it's obviously a, a balance um but yeah I, I still feel you can do it in a, in a in a pleasant way or at least if you bring them out for half a day right it could be something during during the day you could just conduct it casually over lunch if you know what i mean um so still not to make it an interview setting but still you know you could still ask because the culture fit culture ad is not it's more you know personal questions and all this stuff and, and some people it's easier when you're over lunch instead of you know with a desk between you in, in like a formal setting um but yeah 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 so how how yeah sorry jamie but <laughs> i think that's one of the topics right talk about how many steps exactly <laughs> yeah yeah 100 that was literally what i was about to say so yeah, you take, take it away peter take it away yeah sorry no but we have the same process as well we do like full screening and then the first interview is kind of cultural fit and the second one is like a technical assessment and then if we feel the need to the, and that's both for the candidate and for us like if the candidate feel that they want to meet more people from the team usually like the technical assessment is from someone from the team as well mm. uh, so we like try to combine those two but usually we have like a third one which maybe more like a coffee or like, like you say like a lunch or something just mm. uh, maybe a walk uh, as well uh, just walk and talk with uh, someone from the team to get a feel of, of the candidate um, but I think as well like maybe two or three steps maybe I think is the maximum as well um Dep I mean, it, it, it depends, I guess, but I've heard some companies have like six, seven, <laughs> six, seven steps of that. Like, yeah. that's, that's yeah. so much. Yeah. Yep. I think, I think two is too little, uh, yeah. uh, in my opinion. Uh, like, I mean, you have the phone screening. That's, I, I don't consider that uh, like a, like a, like a part of the interview. This is just like a very basic filtering, yep. uh, uh, filter at the, at the beginning. And then I would say it's very important to have an interview where you can uh, uh, assess the uh, the behavior and the culture fit and uh, uh, attitude and all that stuff. How they the teamwork, how they work with others, how they present ideas, how they take rejection, how they give and receive feedback. All that stuff is super important. And then. Uh, like as I said, you, we kind of send them something to do uh, at home, uh, so they do that in their on their own time. We try to give them like if it takes I don't know if it takes like four hours, we try to give them a week to do it so that they can fit whatever uh, time they like uh, available time they have. Uh, and then we have the discussion after that, 
And I think by that time, usually we have a pretty good idea if we want to continue with that candidate or not. And then it's up to kind of how it feels. Usually it's just enough. Like we have a final talk to iron out all the details and the contract and the negotiations and all that stuff. But maybe the candidate feel that they have more questions or they want to meet someone or maybe we mm-hmm. during that process figure out that there is something that like we really like the candidate but there is something that we're unsure of so maybe we'll book another uh, mm-hmm. kind of session to go through that. But that's but like you, a, not a fixed. So you're talking thing. free or something or it's just so I get it. Is that like is that your number like two to two to three to four or what are you thinking? Yeah, so the behavioral one that's one. The take home assignment I mean we can count that. Oh, fair enough. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then the uh, the discussion, uh, the technical discussion, and that's it. So three, mm. I would say, including the assignment, and then mm. the final one is actually just ironing out the the details. So I don't think it's part yeah. of the interview. Like we do that if we know oh. that we want to hire that candidate. Yeah, it's just more of a phone call style thing than yeah, an exactly. actual meeting. That, that's what I always recommend to clients when, you know, if I work with a startup and they're still kind of finding their feet in terms of how to actually hire and interview engineers, that, that's the kind of process that I always go with is, you know, a, a cultural phone screening, a chance for you to sell your business and your product to the, the candidate, and obviously a chance for them to understand what you're all about and um, to kind of understand if it's right for them as well. Obviously, these people are very in demand. They're going to have a lot of opportunities. So that's an important part of the process as well. And then the second stage, obviously, to be technical, whether that's that they come in and do, you know, paired programming, do a whiteboarding session with the team or do a take-home assignment. And then a technical follow-up um, where you get to, you know, meet a couple of members of the team that you'll be working with and, um, and iron out any issues. But for me, I think that's kind of the the pinnacle of like a recruitment process is it, it covers all bases for both the candidate and for, for you as the hiring manager from what I've seen. Um, and, and that's kind of what I always try to, to recommend to people if they're a little bit unsure. So I don't know whether anyone's got any kind of advancement or maybe disagrees with that, but that, that's typically the, the route that I advise. I'll take that as agreement. I'll I'll accept that. That's good. Um, <laughs> so, nice so Martin, how's the at Lego? How how many steps do you have? Or like, what's the? How does it look there? We have uh, three steps. Uh, huh? So we have a, a screening done by one of our recruiters uh, for the first talk. Then we would sit down with the hiring manager and one or two members of the team to do a, a small. Uh, screening with technical screening and tell the tell the client more about where what it would be like to work at Lego to more see the cultural fit as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recruiter usually do that very well as well, but uh, we would also like someone from the team to to get in involved there, and then we do this case study uh, depending, and we do that for all levels of roles. So it doesn't matter if you're a manager or if you're a designer or you're an engineer. Whatever it is, you you would always get this case study that mm. we will base the first topic of. Mm. And sometimes it can be a, an assignment where you have to code something. Sometimes it can be a presentation that you do about a topic or, or similarly. That's it, a really good point like, that you just you just mentioned there about the different options. That's something that I know a few companies do that. And I think if you've got the bandwidth and the capabilities to do it, that is the best way. Is that you know you, if you if a candidate passes the screening call and you're like you know I really like this person, really want to proceed with them giving them the option of either being able to come in and do some some live you know, coding if that's what they enjoy or if they'd rather do a take-home challenge. If you've got the ability to give people the option, that seems to go down really, really well from like a candidate experience perspective. Now, mm. obviously, I'm not too sure how 
you know achievable that would be for for any of you in your teams at the moment but um that is something that again from speaking to candidates they seem to really like having the freedom to to you know do what suits them best essentially I think that makes sense as well. Like, I think it does take out, like, because let's be honest, going to an interview is, for most people at least, uh, uh, like, you know, you get nervous and, you know, you get the, <clears throat> there's a lot of anxiety involved, right? It's like being at the exam to some degree. So if you can, you know, with that case study, take some of it out of it or at least make people confident when they go into the room to some degree. I know they will, one is probably always nervous regardless of what the case study is or the task is, but then you, at least it's something to start to chat with, which uh, at least in my experience, getting the uh, kind of the rolling, if you know what I mean, like getting, you know, uh, is really what unlocks actually having a proper uh, talk instead of it being like this exam question style, which, which you comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it can happen. It just feels like an exam, right? Oh, what do you think about X? And then they reply like it's a, it's a drill rather than a, a conversation. I think that's super important that the, the interview stays as a conversation as much as possible because just like nobody really looks over your screen while you code, it's not like we have exams, at least not here, uh, but we uh, <laughs> talk about problems. Um, it, it's, it's a conversation, right, and a collaboration. So uh, it's important to try and simulate that as much as possible. Um, I would I would also like to add that candidates who know this kind of get plus points instantly subconsciously like when I find it easy to talk like when I when I'm, when I'm interviewing a candidate that's easy to talk to that ideas we just throw ideas together like to, to each other's and we we are like we discuss different approaches and all that stuff I find it really easy to uh, have a, like a positive impression on them. Uh, and I kind of over, not overlook, but I kind of, if they lack on some other parts, then maybe uh, we we wouldn't kind of reject that candidate just because of that. Uh, maybe set up a, like a plan to uh, to kind of compensate for the parts that they're lacking. But like the most important aspect, I would say, is to approach an interview as a conversation. Because mm. uh, the candidates who don't do that, they're so stressed, they're so kind of tensioned. They try to, they think too hard because they're trying to give you the kind of the, the standard answer or the best answer possible. Uh, and then it's super hard for me as an interviewer to uh, to kind of figure out, okay, do you really know that stuff or have you just taken a crash course before the interview and you're trying to kind of remember what, what that uh, instructor said or whatever. It's very hard. That's why we have all your yeah. follow-up questions. Yeah. Uh, sorry. That's why you have all your follow-up questions to dig a little deeper. Yeah. See if exactly our knowledge. I would yeah. like to add to your part about it being a conversation as well. What we did a lot at Selling Group was uh, not doing these live coding challenges and not take-home challenges either. But we would prepare the client in the first interview, saying, "Okay, this is a social interview. We see if you're a good cultural fit." The second interview is going to be a technical interview. We'll bring some of our engineers in and we'll have a talk about like maybe the basics of things. So if we knew you were a JavaScript developer, maybe you had a favorite framework that you liked, so we would tailor the questions into that framework so they were on a place where they felt comfortable and could answer it. And then we would go through uh, step by step, more or less, uh, a bunch of questions in each topic, TypeScript, JavaScript, their framework, Git or whatever. And then uh, we were always 
give it this approach where if you don't know the answer, that's perfectly fine. Then we will tell you the answer. So if you when you leave this from this conversation, you it will have something. learned something. Hmm. You would have gained something from spending your time with us. That's so important. Yeah. It's it, and again, it goes back to um to what you were saying before, Martin, and, and you, Nick, as well about it being conversational. Um, like it, an interview should be a two way thing. It's especially at a senior level, the candidate is you know working you out as much as you're working them out. Um. And there's so many instances I've had with, with previous businesses where a, a candidate has come away from an interview and goes, like, I feel like I've just been, you know, interviewed by, um, like, in a courtroom or something like that. They feel like they've just been grilled, essentially, for, like, two hours. Um, and it's obviously not a nice experience for anyone. Um, and th that was one of the things I, I was going to come on to. We, we did briefly touch on it just then. But let's say, for example, you know, somebody's gone through, you know, a two or maybe three stage interview process and they've passed and they've been hired. When it comes to actually bringing that person into the team, what, what do you kind of feel, maybe from your own personal experiences as developers or managers, how should that person as a senior developer be onboarded into the team compared to someone who's maybe more of a junior level? Um, so at Helicon, we have something uh, that we call Helicon Hell, which is actually a project that kind of... Uh, have acceptance criteria and uses technologies that is very similar to the type of projects that we do. And then everyone does that, no matter if you're a junior or a senior. But uh, the goal is not to finish it, but to kind of be exposed to how we do stuff, how we build projects, the technologies that we use, uh, and the type of work that we do. Uh, so I think that's pretty good. But the problem with it is that it takes, if like if it's a really junior developer, then it takes too long to finish. Uh, and then usually you don't finish them because you, I mean, you join a team and a project. But I think even though, even if you don't finish it, you still get something out of it, uh, which is really nice. Um, uh, regarding like the difference between juniors and seniors on onboarding, I think, but like the, 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 like it's, it's this, the thing with junior developers and engineers in general is you kind of focus on small stuff that's super clear uh, and uh, kind of closer to the, to the code as possible. And that's, that doesn't really need a lot of investigation. The more senior you go, the kind of the more concepts you uh, you discuss. So basically when you're on board, you will say, we took this approach to build this and that. This, these are the bigger, uh, the big problems that we have right now. We have experimented with these uh, solutions. We haven't yet settled, to, settled on something, whatever. So in that direction. So then they can uh, take that input and start thinking about maybe a different way or how we can continue with the, with whatever we started with or from from a like a direction and a conceptual uh, uh, point of view, rather than just picking a task and doing it. So something we're doing, or have been doing for ages, I guess, uh, is like mentorship. Doing regardless if you're a junior or senior, uh, everyone gets a mentor, uh, and I think that's yeah, and I think that's really good in in like. Because even if you are senior, you usually have to like understand our architecture and our tech setup. And like even even though we're using like GRCP or Spring or whatever, 
Uh, we usually have like a wrapper or something. We have done something with it, so it's kind of uh, customized. Uh, and I think it's good in that sense to have someone to talk to and also be... I think one of the most important things is to have a mentor is to know that you have someone you can ask, uh, even though like we have a really helpful culture and all that, and you can probably ask anyone anytime. Uh, my feeling or like the feedback I've gotten is usually people who are new are more afraid to like take time from other people. Uh, even even if you're like senior or junior, it doesn't really matter. But to have someone who like you know this person is assigned to me and I can ask him for help, hmm. uh, I think it's a really good uh, good way of, yeah. of getting someone on board. Spot on. We do mentors as well uh, at Telecon as well, and uh, we kind of I just recently like uh, we had that same problem that you just mentioned <laughs> about uh, newcomers, uh, especially junior. Uh, uh, developers being afraid to ask questions yep. and kind of occupy other people. So as you said, like having a mentor that they know they can safely go and take some time out of that person uh, is uh, super helpful. Yeah. We we also use it at, at Lego. We call them breakmates. And, uh, <laughs> sure that... <laughs> <laughs> and we make sure that that person is also having time allocated outside of his daily work so we we yeah. take off some of the workload that that person would normally have in order to make sure that there is time and resources to onboard the mm. the, the new people yeah the, 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 we also like try at least um like buddy or mentor or somebody that's like you go to and and like the senior especially start with i, I mean you go through also more the architectural stuff where I think with, with a junior hitting them up with like, this is how all our databases uh, function together. It's like a bit overkill from, from day one, where if it's like a senior backend developer, there's a higher chance that they, they will actually follow along, right? And, and ask uh, questions about it. Um, but I also think it's, it's key what you, you mentioned, uh, Martin, in saying like it will be a velocity hit for whoever gets to be you know, the buddy or, or the mentor or whatever on, on, on the team. I think that's, uh, I don't think you should underestimate that, you know, at least for some time that, you know, this individual you have, which is usually also, you know, senior enough at least to answer all questions theoretically. Um, obviously also have usually a very high like productivity level and, and you can't expect that uh, for Sometimes it depends on the candidate or the, the new hire, how long that is. Uh, for a senior, hopefully not more than some weeks, uh, depending on how complex your system is. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it depends a lot on the person. I, and I think it's important not to put a timer on it, right? That would be super stressful for the for the new hire. Like, yeah, you have this guy in two weeks, and after that, you're just uh, <laughs> on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you, you, but but still try and assess. You know, as a leader or manager, how how long do we, you think that you know this velocity hit will will be for? Like, it will be a month or or even shorter, right? Um, so yeah, and and that's really important. I I feel as well from the the existing team's perspective. Um, I'm sure you know they're more than happy to help out. They've probably been in that situation themselves. But as um, I think it was uh, Peter said or, or Raphael said that it's really important that you kind of take away a little bit of their extra workload so that they're not be becoming stressed and you know having to do extra hours. And then then you may have a staff retention issue, which is a whole different episode, which we could probably go on about for hours as well. So um, yeah, re really important. Obviously, you keep the balance between your current team and, and the new team members, um, trying to keep everyone happy. Which you know, is the uh, the million dollar million dollar situation, I suppose. But uh, you can always do your best. Um, 
just conscious of, of time and everything, I think we've covered kind of the, the main topics that, that I wanted to go through. But um, obviously, if anyone has any kind of extra questions throughout there or anything else you'd like to bring up, then then please do. I think there's uh, one part of the process that we haven't touched on, and that is the pre-recruitment, the defining of the job description and everything, because I think that is mm. super important as well to yep. really tailor the description to the job. Uh, and it also helps you define the questions that you need uh, during the, the interview process as well, because you, you deep dive into this uh, description that basically is a, a requirement list or a wish list for you. Of course, you're not going to fill all of them uh, at once, but you'll definitely have some questions that you, based on that, that you can probe into to, to the client during the interviewing processes. Okay. And I've uh, seen uh, other companies as, as well do interview or descriptions that are very gen generic and it's a, a huge turnoff for the client. Uh, it, yeah. it's, it more or less really is the same as a client sending out 40 resumes to different companies uh, that's barely tailored. Yeah, I think yeah. that is very much the same resemblance. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, and I, but I also think on that note that actually uh, I see a problem is like in, in a preface, maybe think about actually the individual you want in the team. I feel like sometimes, well, it goes, engineering is relatively well-defined, but also for, for other roles, like what is what exactly is it we want this guy to do? Uh, um, engineering is easy to detect when the requirements list becomes too long. At least I find that compared to maybe something new, uh, but I think it's very easy to try and look for this unicorn of, uh, you know, some kind of developer that can fix all your stuff at once. Uh, so I think that's also important before you actually, it goes into like the tailoring of the description, right? That you actually think actively about what kind of individual, what kind of skills are we actually looking for instead of just a guy that can do everything and uh, yeah, exactly. solve all our problems, to... sort of. Yeah, yeah. You want to make sure that he takes a few boxes but not the, the full list because that's going to be impossible and it will definitely scare some people off I think exactly. uh, last year so i saw a job description for a front-end position that had like 15 different tech requirements of multiple years of experience in each of them i was like you guys are looking for a genius and that person is definitely not me yeah and and the thing is as well like when it comes to um like slightly larger companies Martin, i'm sure you see this and, and peter as well and, and and everyone really if you've got you know an internal recruitment team or you're working with an external recruiter if you give them a huge list of technologies you know they must have this experience you know it's obviously going to reduce the talent pool massively it also may put a lot of people off like you were saying and it may be a case that you know i'm sure you you probably all agree that the best engineers are able to adapt to a technology based on what the task needs so they're not just a react developer or just a python developer they can actually pick up different things based on on what the the task is and if you're you know being really strict about exactly what you need from that person in terms of the tools and frameworks they've worked with you're probably going to miss out on the very best people because they're not just going to want that to, to work with one technology for forever essentially so it is a really important part and obviously you know if you've got a really defined job description and uh, a really kind of defined idea of what you're looking for then it's going to make the interview process so much smoother because you're not trying to work it out halfway through it's one something me and my colleagues were talking about before and i think from everyone's perspective that that would make everyone's lives so much easier yeah yeah i agree, I yeah, I agree. Wait. yeah go ahead now I was gonna say on the on the other end of the of the process. I think maybe in the last uh, 
uh, coal or meat or maybe after like when you start a new job as part of the onboarding I think it would be really nice to have like a, a clear expectations from that candidate like in the next three six nine and year like nine months and year this is our expectations mm-hmm. and not that you hire someone and then six months goes by and then you have like i don't know a review and then all the feedback then comes out then and the candidate had no idea what expectations that the the company had for for him or whatever and they might be on totally different tracks uh, so i think maybe as part of the onboarding in the beginning it would be super helpful to everyone to just have like a sit down on the expectations i'd say I completely agree, but I also think that you should be doing that for not only new hires, but for everyone. Uh, obviously, new hires, the expectations are going to be a bit different. Some of the expectation will be like just figuring out where to get lunch, uh, where for for existing hires, is, uh, is this, preferably they already know that. Um, but yeah, uh, really setting expectations and setting them up for success and, and communicating what is expected and 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 because when you do that, you also communicate what is not expected, so to speak, right? So yeah, exactly. it's expected you can do this framework, then it's not expected that you, I don't know, something else you, you, you can do, right? Or, hey, we expect you to understand the architecture within the next couple of weeks or a month or whatever. Uh, then we don't expect you to fix a million bucks, right? Um, so, yeah. So I completely yeah. agree. Definitely. I think that we've also had quite good experience with is onboarding multiple people at the same time so you have this small community of newcomers that can start together and discover the same challenges together and figure it out together Uh, and having the the sessions together as well where you do some onboarding uh, workshops yeah that that is a massive thing i mean obviously i've never worked as an engineer i'm nowhere near smart enough um but even in any job there's nothing worse than going into a 20-person office and on your own and and not knowing anyone or or knowing people very little if you've got those three or four kind of starting buddies with you it just makes the experience so much easier like you say martin just to have people to kind of communicate and go on that same journey with you makes things so much less scary um so yeah massively important if obviously that's something that you're able to to facilitate yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. But we'd like, and that's also, I guess, a different topic talking about junior people. But having like a trainee program, for instance, that's um, I think one of the key benefits is you have like five, six, seven, ten people starting at the same time and getting bonded together as a group. And then you'll have those people within the company for like years and years, so you can relate to and talk to and share experiences with them. I think that's um super important. I think, as you say, you should probably do that with or try to do that. I guess with senior people as well. Uh, to try and connect the people if you have someone starting maybe approximately at the same time even though you're not maybe in the same team or something but I think it's important I have a related question to onboarding but I mean everybody knows that you get completely bombarded with with information and I mean I and I guess bigger companies you'll have like maybe even a week or whatever of just getting told stuff uh about the about the company but how often do you actually proactively send people home so to speak like saying you know when you when you come in a new job right you get overloaded and there might actually not be something to do after i don't know 2 p.m or 1 p.m or something like that but i experience a lot that uh, new hires data and you know sit around again it goes back to the expectations right but it's like you don't have to be here from nine to five the first week or like because there's literally your your brain is just getting fried from all the stuff you're getting told. So it's actually better and more efficient if you just go home and 
try and remember some of the stuff you've been told uh, rather than cram as much in as possible. But I don't know what you guys' experiences with this. I definitely try to encourage people to do that as well. And yeah. in general, I don't like seeing people work very late. So I try to encourage in general, not just newcomers. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, the, the, it's funny because I've been working flexible hours for so long now. Like I, I never really work nine to five, like, uh, or like yeah, on, on a rigid schedule like that. Um, so I kind of forgot that this exists. And uh, we had a we had a, a, a junior developer joining, coming from a different uh, industry. Uh, and then at five, she was like, "Can I go home?" I was like, "Yeah, whenever you want." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's a good thing that you mentioned it because, like, uh, maybe it's good to say that, uh, like, explicitly, especially if people coming from different. Uh, uh, branches or industries as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. And it comes back to what you were saying before about setting expectations when onboarding is, you know, look, look, this is your first week. You're going to be told millions of different things. So, you know, finish at 2 p.m. this week and then we'll start, you know, normal hours next week because essentially you want them to be able to get off to the best start possible because that benefits everyone. So, um, yeah, instead of kind of making them go home, you know, exhausted and, and full of information that, um, as Nick said, they're all going to forget anyway. It's, it's probably better mm. to kind of come up with that agreement beforehand. Um, yeah. And I think in the, in the in this beginning, maybe lunch is probably the most important event uh, <laughs> when you're joining a new team. Just, you know, because that's where you get social and get to know everybody, right? It's yeah. uh, I'm not saying all the company information is not important, but uh, but lunch is definitely a key. Usually you need like a recap of the company information, like a year in or something. Because yeah, yeah. none, none of it sticks, so it's better to have it like a year later or something. Because that then <laughs> you're, you're starting, yeah, exactly. Because then, like after a year, you heard people talk about like legal market, who's that, who's that, yeah, exactly. And that, then <laughs> when you should probably have it instead of like in the beginning. But yeah, yeah, it's good to have both ways. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Has anybody else got anything else to like to to bring up? Any anything that we feel like we've missed at all? No, all good. Amazing. Well, we'll get it wrapped up because, like I said, I'm conscious of time. I appreciate that you've all taken time out of your um, your busy lives already uh, to to join this. But just obviously a massive thank you for for coming along. Um, I hope you've all got something from it that you can you can take back into to your own careers and to your teams. Um, I've learned a lot for sure, um, and it's something that obviously we're hoping to do again soon. So, thanks a lot for joining, and I'll I'll speak to you all again soon. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. Good to meet you all again. See you. Take care. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. -bye. Take care. bye, -bye.